Hi. I'm Emma. I'm Shannon. And I'm Sarah. There she is. Guys, we have a friend on today. The first wife. The Yes, the first wife and oh, the first wife a lot of on the pod. It's true. Yeah. You know, other, I mean, I don't count because I was here. Yeah, you've been yeah, here. Yeah, I've been here. But like, yeah. That was a long time ago. That was a long, that was a long like time a ago. A year and a half. The Isdal woman. Mm-hmm. It was <laughs> the majority of the uh, tangents were about a viewing of Greece <laughs> and the children oh, yeah. sitting was in it, front of us. Was it Greece? Or we was went it Mamma to Mia. No, it was no. Greece. Was it Greece? It was Greece because we both went. This is not appropriate for children. And the child sitting in front of us continuously looked at us every time oh, that we yeah. laughed. I looked at Emma. That's true. She yeah. did kind of like deadpan stare at me, and then I just shook my head at her, like what? stared her down, like what? Yeah. And then your dad was like Freaked three out. rows behind oh, us. Oh like, yeah. Hey, hey, Sarah. Oh yeah. Hey, hi. My father. Hi. What a it was gem. So cute. I was so happy I got to meet them. Oh lord. They're so sweet. But anyway, friends, we have our our Pennsylvania resident friends. That's. <laughs> Resident of Pennsylvania. There you go. <laughs> but we're very excited that she's here. Thank you for coming. You're welcome. She was here specifically so that we could go to the Titanic exhibit in National Harbor today, which was, for me, very sad. I mean, it would be sad anyway, but I have no ability to separate. Like, I, I can't compartmentalize. She's sensitive. I am sensitive. I'm just kind of glad we got to listen to it instead of read the whole thing. Yeah, that yeah. I appreciate it. They had, like, little nice. headsets and, like, a guy reading through a, a script. IPhone. On a fake, yeah, it was it was exa- <laughs> the exact shape. The fake iPhone. But, yeah, no, it was it was a great time. Would, would our <laughs> Titanic expert like to speak on it in any capacity? It was I. <laughs> What specifically made it only I? I mean, we were talking about it earlier. Like, there just weren't a ton of artifacts as advertised. Mm-hmm. And I think I'm also spoiled because I've been to the museum in Belfast. Mm-hmm. In Belfast. Belfast. Mm-hmm. So you've you've seen a lot of a the lot more of, yeah, direct authentic things and yeah. stuff. But it was still cool. No, it I was. I took some good pictures. You did. I cried, or I almost cried at least four times. So. I almost said we should take bets. Yeah. It might have... Honestly, y'all might have gotten some money out of it. But <laughs> don't know. It would have been nice. Yeah. <laughs> Should have known beforehand. Just a little little bit of extra Should've cash. Coulda, woulda. To spend on ourselves at Silver Dollar Diner. Silver Dollar Diner? <laughs> no, just Silver, Silver Diner. Diner. Anyway. All right. So, quick roundup of housekeeping. If you want to see any of the chaos that we've done before, please go visit us at our website, thispodcastdoesnexist.com. Dot com. You can find everything there where we live on the internet, which is mostly Instagram. Is that an I? No, it's a house. Oh, where we live. Got it. Shannon, visual bit for those of you who have clicked on the bingo section of our website Sarah got it she did but she's directly in front of you we're catchphrase <laughs> champions oh that is a game that we should play tonight oh i don't know i yeah i don't know we'll find out we're it's undefeated been, it's been what 12 years yeah but so i feel like we still have a, a decent enough like, like commonality yeah. to yeah. understand and catchphrase probably hasn't changed since then so no. <laughs> probably <laughs> remember the same, some of the same words oh that's funny well, if you'd like to play a game along with us, please feel free to go click on our bingo card and our website. It's always fun. I guarantee you, you'll at least get three 
if not more Uh boxes on today's episode. It should be a heck of a lot of fun. But without further ado, my friends, I'm going to let you know that today I specifically looked up Pennsylvania spooky stuff. Mm-mm. Is that exactly what you Google? I genuinely, I genuinely put into Google Pennsylvania spooky. I love that. So <laughs> today we're going to be talking about the Pennhurst State School and Hospital. Uh-oh. <laughs> I, I was going to ask, do you guys know about this place no, at no, all? No, not really. You no, okay. I just, you say hospital and I'm like, yeah. oh, rut row. Rut row it is. So. <laughs> rut row it is. Just like Scoobert do. I remembered his name this time. Yes. I like thinking him of him as Scoobius. Scoobius Dubious. But that's not his Scoobius name. Scoobius Dubious feels like a great name for an actual detective. Mm-hmm. <laughs> detective Detective if, Dubious? Is the, is the, I don't know if I'd be able to take anybody seriously with the first name of Scoobius. <laughs> you wouldn't know that's until you already hired her. <laughs> That's the big reveal, like three seasons in. <laughs> but also, Detective Dubious is like a, a mouse, <laughs> like an animated. Yeah. This no, is I'm, it. I got like the great mouse detective. Yeah, in my head. exactly. Yeah. Yep, that's it. That movie gave me nightmares. Oh. Same. I've never seen it. it. New Year's Eve, 1999. Because <laughs> there's like was that. It Radigan or the cat? No, it was the like creepy little bat. Sidekick. Oh, with the oh. with the uh, thimble peg leg. I think so. I don't. Uh, I don't. I've think never I've seen, seen this movie. Yeah. I don't think I've seen it, seen it since. Probably blocked most of it from your memory to begin with. So yeah, this is a mouse detective free millennium. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Well. <laughs> I feel like Detective Dubious would enjoy investigating this state institution turned haunted attraction. Is it a recipe for the paranormal or is it just sad? Both. Both. <laughs> I vote both. Do you remember that meme we had a while ago? It's just sad. <laughs> it's like someone just throwing themselves. Or no, it's not scary. It's not scary. It's, it's just, sad. it's just I sad. I love it. All right. So. Just under an hour west of Philadelphia is Spring City, Pennsylvania. Though small and unassuming in 1903, the Pennsylvania legislature approved the town as the site of the Eastern State Institution for the Feeble-Minded and Epileptic. Please note that there are words in here that I, I have attempted to remove anything like the R word in quotes and stuff like that because we don't need that on the airwaves. Unfortunately, feeble-minded is in the name of this place in certain instances, and I I apologize. It's unfortunately something I couldn't necessarily redact. So, in any case, a commission found that around 3,800 people who fit this category in the state of Pennsylvania were in immediate need of this specialized institutional care. This included people from hospitals, reformatories, prisons, and almshouses. And so the building began. In 1908, there were 14 buildings on what was referred to as the lower campus of the property. By 1971, there were around 27 buildings scattered across the lower and upper campuses. The older parts of the campus were designed out of red brick and terracotta. 
All were connected by fireproof tunnels underground to transport residents, except for the handful that were built later in the century, including the hospital building. So thank goodness the tunnels never had, like, transported hospital people through them. That was, like, my big fear. I was like, ew, no, 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 no. But no, just bad enough to move people around underground instead of outside. They do that in the Midwest, like... In Minnesota and stuff on college campuses, there are tunnels. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. So you yeah, don't yeah. have to go outside when there's, three when there's feet snow. Of snow. Yeah. Well, I guess it's less likely for them to run away if they're underground. Yeah, that too. That was that was also a consideration. <laughs> I would I would like the snow part. <laughs> I feel like apparently we're supposed to have a very bad winter. I heard that. I'm actually really excited because I want a lot of snow. Snow is yuck. Oh. Yes. But this is the first summer, uh, what are words? This <laughs> the is opposite. not the first winter that I'm in my apartment, but it might be the first winter where we get snow. And I'm like, oh, I don't have to shovel. Oh. What a novelty. That's fair. You wouldn't have to do any of the actual snow care. Yeah, except for cleaning off my car. Yeah, that's pretty good. I do not have that luxury, but I also have, from home. I have a tanner. Yeah. Who did the shoveling for me? Husband privilege. Yeah. I got my father, so. <laughs> Bubba privilege. Plus my new car's remote start. Ooh. I don't remember how to work it. I got to look it up in the manual, but <laughs> some combination of some time. buttons on the thing. <laughs> well, each building was designed to provide a large amount of rooms, every room with two to three beds, and a few larger rooms with eight to ten beds as well as a large room for exercise and indoor excursion. So, it's... Do, do you like indoor excursion as a phrase? <laughs> Both me and Sarah were like, huh? What? Now, what is that? Me, with, me at the office. I go on indoor excursion away from my desk. Yeah. Let's go see what this side of the room looks like. <laughs> Buildings were divided into two groups. Educational slash industrial and custodial slash asylum. That to me feels like four, but okay. There were separate schoolhouses, a gym, a workshop, a hospital with isolation rooms, quote, all on such scale as will create an institution to accommodate no less than 500 inmates or patients, planned and located for easy and natural additions as population demands, end quote. That was in their initial charter. Hmm. To break it down even further, quote, patients were classified into mental categories of imbecile or insane. I don't know the difference and I didn't want to look it up. Into physical categories of epileptic or healthy and into dental categories of good, poor or treated teeth when admitted. End quote. Teeth were a big thing in terms of like, because... As we've discussed before on this podcast, if you have an abscessed or bad tooth jaw situation, it can mean immediate, like, you need immediate care. Mm -hmm. um, so if you have good teeth, that means that they don't really need to worry about you. If you have bad teeth, they might need to worry about you quite a bit. Mm -hmm. um, and then treated teeth means that it'd be more of a monitoring situation. All patients were also assigned duties of... Mattress making, cobbling, farming, laundry, domestic work, baking, painting, butchering, 
sewing, and working in the store on site. There were multiple other jobs. These are just some that were listed. And there was an age curfew, essentially, on like when you'd be able to start working. On November 23, 1908, the first resident was listed as patient number one in the logbook, which was continued throughout all of Penhurst's over 10,000 patients. So everyone had a number. Even with the desired expansion space, the Penhurst State School and Hospital was quickly overrun with patients. By 1912, the space that had been initially designed for epileptics and those with intellectual and developmental disabilities was having trouble parsing through the other groups that kept getting passed off to them, criminals, orphans, and immigrants. In trying to parse through all of these new arrivals and where they should go, the superintendent at the time reported to the Board of Trustees that it made no sense to have both epileptics and those who had no intellectual disabilities with those who did, by saying, quote, They are not the same. They are as different from one, one to the other as day is from night, and require entirely different treatment. End quote. Even with this call to solidify the mission of the school and hospital, those with epilepsy and no intellectual or developmental disabilities were still admitted for several years after. Eventually, they clarified the admission requirements, though it's unclear if anyone who had been admitted before this cutoff without meeting these new requirements remained. It should also be noted that under the umbrella of intellectual and developmental disability were definitively those with things like ADHD, PTSD, and those who wouldn't, at the time, emotional is essentially what they were. It was an easy way to cast off people that they didn't want to deal with in society, um, which is just, you know, fun. So fun. Sorry, this is so bummer. In particular, the issue came down to who was considered, quote, feeble-minded and what that meant. A commission for care of these people that had been appointed by the Pennsylvania legislature found that this phrase meant these people were, quote, unfit for citizenship and posed a menace to the peace, end quote. They proposed these individuals were kept in custodial care to, quote, break the endless reproductive chain, end quote. Eugenics, that's what they were saying, eugenics. Eugenics, racism, classism, ableism, ableism all, all of that fun stuff. Um, at, it, it's an unfortunate reality of, the, of America at the turn of the century, there, there are a lot of academic articles that are produced after World War II that are very much like this is this is inhumane, this is not okay. But it, apparently, it took the Nazis for people to realize that. So, mm. yikes! Fun. Keep in mind that the Nazis uh, studied the playbook of the Jim Crow South mm-hmm. uh, to get a mm-hmm. lot of their terrible ideas. Yep. So, yeah. Anywho, Saul, a portion of the campus was proposed for any female patients, keeping them a safe distance from the male patients. And by 1918, the real eugenics issues began. Mm, the I, real ones. Well, I mean, mm. they were they were real to begin with, but this was much more publicized. I apologize in advance for the following outrageous quote from leading eugenicist Dr. Henry Goddard. Boo. Correct. Quote, every feeble-minded person is a potential criminal, end quote. Blah. 
There was a whole long quote about how those who have developmental or intellectual disabilities are more likely to procreate, and because of that, women in this category are more dangerous than men. And then finishing with the sentence, quote, it would seem that if the state is not adequately, adequately equipped to care for all of them, the girl should have institutional care in preference to the boy, since she is the greater menace, end quote. Overall, boo to him. And also, yes, I am a menace. You're welcome. In any case, Penhurst was still bursting with patients, having over a thousand as well as about 192 employees by 1930. 240 people were admitted within the next two years from 900 applications, the majority of whom were children. So a lot of what was happening, because this isn't the only institution in the United States that this was happening. A lot of the institutions that were developed at this point of, in time were majority cast-offs of society. And a lot of the time there were people who didn't have the ability or desire to care for children who were what they considered deviant mm-hmm. or, quote, feeble-minded, which is just awful because they all get lumped together mm-hmm. and then they're not, they don't actually get the care that they need and then they're stuck. So, gross. By 1955, the population of Penhurst, which also was called the Shame of Pennsylvania by newspapers at the time, met its peak at 3,500 individuals. Holy cow. That's a lot of people. When Medicare was initiated in 1966, it meant that state-operated facilities like these were eligible for reimbursement of a portion of their operating costs. And this is probably where things got even worse for people, because money money. Mm-hmm. In 1968, a five-part TV news report was aired called Suffer the Little Children. In it, local CBS news correspondent Bill Baldini attempts to expose the horrible living conditions and treatment of the patients in Penhurst. I, I tried to watch it, and it honestly made me almost sick to my stomach. I was not in the right headspace for it. If you would like to, it is linked in the show notes. I've seen clips of it enough to give a brief overview. However, be warned that the language, while the language used for these individuals obviously did not age well, the message is pretty clear that this is unacceptable and this has to stop. Baldini himself said while shooting, quote, my crew was mortified. I mean, I had trouble keeping them on the job because they were literally getting sick from what they saw, end quote. They found multiple children locked in essentially metal cages and people tied to their beds. No end to the atrocious living conditions. Sorry, this is such a fucking bummer, man. (laughs) I didn't mean to do this to anybody. I saw a ghost adventures. (laughs) That's why we're here. There was even... (laughs) So it's Zach Bagan's fault, (laughs) as usual. Correct. (laughs) There was even a doctor at the time working there that's in the documentary, who would administer injections to patients that would cause the most pain without causing permanent damage. And his genuine name was Dr. Fear. Which, like, I don't know if the devil incarnate would be any... That feels that feels appropriate. He's got the name. Is it spelled F-E-A-R? Mm-hmm. Yeah. So, yeah. What is that? Nominative determinism? Mm-hmm. When you have the job that your name implies yeah that was a right on nail on the head bud yikes i'd say good job but no thank you (laughs) 
While this expose was the first to be shown to the general public about the facility's conditions, it was not the first piece of media exposing Pennhurst. There were newspaper articles, legislative inquiries, and multiple other investigations over the years from the very beginning, which the Pennhurst Memorial and Preservation Alliance says, quote, is evidence that little was done to alter the basic nature of the facility or to solve the problems innate in the custodial warehouse model of care, end quote. Multiple lawsuits were filed over the actual care of these individuals over the years, one involving a constitutional right to education, as well as unfair labor compensation. So there were a lot of things, I think it was like 1960-something, when there was the constitutional right to education situation happening in the Mm -hmm. U.S. in general. And while they were arguing through what this should encompass, they essentially said, well, but those with disabilities, not not a part of this. They don't have that right. And there was a huge uproar mm-hmm. from people who were like, fuck you. Yeah. <laughs> uh, no, that is n- not true. So that eventually, of course, passed to a point where everyone has the right to education in the United States. And then the unfair the labor. IDEA. Yeah. The unfair labor compensation mm-hmm. situation was the fact that they were not a lot of the patients who were in Pennhurst were not being paid for the jobs that they were assigned because they were living there. So it was like, oh, you're earning your board. No, no. Medicare is paying for some operating costs. Essentially, if you applied to get into the facility, someone is paying for you to be there. Mm -hmm. So no is the answer to that. Um, They need to be compensated for the work that they're doing. So that was also a lawsuit that was going around. The final straw for Penhurst, though, was Halderman v. Penhurst. In 1974, this case was filed by a mother of a Penhurst resident that outlined the abuse and horrid conditions her daughter, Terry Lee Halderman, had endured. It wasn't tried until 1977, which concluded with the determination that Penhurst provided, quote, such a dangerous, miserable environment for its residents that many of them actually suffered physical deterioration and intellectual regression during their stay at the institution. End quote. They also found that the conditions at Penhurst violated the 8th and 14th Amendments. So, not great, buds. Penhurst remained open until 1986, after a longitudinal study found that 80% of families agreed patients who were relocated from the hospital were doing better than they had been when they were there. A few more court cases determining the rights of disabled individuals and the final settlement agreement for the Haldeman v. Penhurst case, which asked for the closure of Penhurst. It officially closed in 1987, starting a domino effect of similar facility closures in the state and around the country. The Penhurst Memorial and Preservation Alliance, the PM and PA, was formed in 2008 to advocate for the sensitive reuse of the site and have policy and decision makers respect its unique history and architecture. A year later, they had the site join the International Coalition of Sites of Conscience, which is a global network of historic sites, quote, specifically dedicated to remembering struggles for justice, end quote, which I need to go look up where all the other ones are. After changing hands multiple times, becoming a historic site, and falling into disrepair, only a handful of the buildings remain. In fact, there were four buildings that were demolished in 2020 because they were just so completely decrepit. 
It now houses a recycling plant, as well as a few other things. However, to the dismay of many in the disability community and those who worked hard to preserve the history of Penhurst, in 2010, the lower campus became a haunted attraction called Penhurst Haunted Asylum. The main issue they claimed being the portrayal of disabled individuals of any kind as monsters or something to be feared, which definitely happened within the first few years of the attraction. They have since modified how they portray anybody, and none of the characters are anyone who was in the facility. Also, it's in what was the administration building, so there's none of the like hospital beds or dormitories or anything like that. Still, the owner of both the recycling plant and this attraction said to NPR, quote, we went well out of our way to make sure that this event doesn't mock or mimic any of the handicapped. And I believe that the public that comes through here knows the distinction and the difference between making fun of something and a Halloween event. End quote. Mm. I know that. Yeah. Today you can visit the seasonal Halloween haunted house and explore the depths of the buildings, scaring yourself to bits. And you may even come across the crew of disabled performers who run the show almost every year. The following is a quote from the Philadelphia Inquirer in 2022. This is a nice big chunk. Quote, I'm scaring people. I'm in the position of power, said Autumn Werner, a 21-year-old psychology student at Westchester University who is running the show this year. Werner has a rare connective tissue disorder that makes her skin and joints overly flexible, which allows her to be a contortionist. Outside of the haunted house community, she feels commodified and sexualized, but not when she performs here. She said that most of the cast has a physical or mental disability, or both. One actor with autism performs with noise-canceling headphones. Another has a great-aunt who survived the institution. Werner, who has two sisters in the autism spectrum, feels conflicted about the seasonal attraction. She hates what Penhurst was and wants more people to learn about it. But without the haunted attraction, Penhurst and its history may have been demolished long ago, she said. Quote, it's kind of like a necessary evil, and my goal has been to make it the least evil thing we can, she said. End full quote. Bottom line, it's complex. At least for those who work there and find this place as somewhere that they feel safe, even with its history. Mm. My own thoughts on it are it's complicated to have somebody use it as a commodity for specifically the re the way that they do it which is this is a spooky place because it's a it's a place of heavy and sad emotion and history so it's the capitalization on that to mm -hmm. use it for that way however because I read that initially and I read that whole thing initially and was like, yeah, you don't really care. But then I was reading through this other article of these disabled performers who are in this haunted attraction who, I, and I mean, it's much larger than what I just read. That's just a quote. But mo the most of them are essentially saying, yeah, it's complex and we understand that it's not meant to, you know, be flippant. But this is somewhere we feel safe and connected to because of what happened here and kind of the taking charge of the history and the sensitivity around it by being the people who are now in power and the ones who are 
you know, doing the scaring and doing the storytelling and doing all of that. I myself am an able-bodied person, so I don't have that aspect or that perspective, so I can't speak on it, but it feels icky from the guy who started it. Mm-hmm. So that's my bottom line. Any thoughts before we move on? I know you, you might, your face the entire time, you, your face has just been like pinched I mean, up. Like, you know, the kids that were there, that's the population I work with on a daily basis. So like the whole thing is just. Yeah. I, I figured as soon, as soon as I finished my research, I realized, oh, it's not only just Pennsylvania. It's also you are a teacher teaching yeah. kids who yep. would have been in this facility mm-hmm. had they been born at this point in time. So I, I knew you might have a unique perspective <laughs> on this, but yeah. All right. How are you feeling? Good. Well, not good, but uh, yeah. I don't have anything to add at this time. Okay. Well, <laughs> it wasn't until its doors were closed that haunting stories popped up. A place with this much sorrow, strife, and fear is going to carry heaviness no matter what. It's unknown how many people spent their last days at Penhurst, but it can't be few. There's myriad reports of there were a hundred people that passed away while they were here. There were thousands people. We don't know. Obviously, I'm sure somewhere there are records, but no one's keeping tabs on it. Well, I'm sure they were doing their best to hide that as well. Probably, because then they couldn't, you know, advertise better. But, you know. So... A lower campus building, the Mayflower, houses a few entities that even got their own book from a former employee of the Halloween attraction. I will say the majority of these stories, because of course all of them come after the closure, no one who was in Penhurst during its tenure as an actual school hospital have stories of hauntings of any kind, probably because they were experiencing hell on earth, so... In any case, all of these are from people who have either investigated or worked at Penhurst. One entity has been nicknamed the King, and he is unfriendly and thought to be the ghost of a maintenance man who worked in the facility during the 40s or 50s. He shows himself as a shadow figure, but has been known to touch or even choke people. People smell cigar smoke when they see his figure, and cigarettes are scattered on the floor of the boiler room that people have offered up to him to try and get him to appear and be a little nicer. Yeah. He loves a female visitor and answers their questions more easily. But if he says leave, you should leave as soon as possible. He also laughs. And at that point I went, no, and moved right past (laughs) Most investigators feel he's more poltergeist than spirit, but a bit more demon than ghost, but sometimes a female spirit appears with him who tells people to run, but he talks over her and tries to keep the conversation flowing. How rude. Yeah, genuinely. You know, it's patriarchal even in the afterlife, apparently. (laughs) Shannon's face got even more pitched. She was already (laughs) looking a little sad, but now she looks even worse. (laughs) She's like, no, no. One investigator believes he caught the king on camera. This investigator's sitting in a disgusting-looking stuffed chair with his back to some windows, and there is a huge black form behind him. 
He posted it to Reddit with the caption, still can't explain this one. One comment reads, quote, I still can't explain how he didn't catch Staphylococcus infection from that chair. <laughs> Obviously, that is an antibiotic guardian angel. End quote. <laughs> Some people got the funnies in them. Yeah. Other ghosts roam the halls of the Mayflower, including a young boy named Howie, who loves to play with his Fisher-Price airplane. Mm-hmm. I know. That one's really sad to me because it's like a it's a Fisher-Price airplane from like the 50s. 60s it's gross looking but it's like in the middle of this room in the mayflower and people will go in and be like howie will you play with me like will you play the plane with me and there have been people who are like well the plane just threw itself across the room so i guess howie's here and it's like oh this poor baby i want i want him i want him to want him to go back up to you know the light there is an angry nurse who stabs people with needles when they pass her. So um, if I wasn't going before, I'm, already, I'm not going now. Like, <laughs> it's not happening. No, thank you. Get your tetanus shots before you go. It sounds like tetanus to me. <laughs> yeah, we're going to need to get some tetanus shots. Um, and then there's also a young girl, and that is the end of that. Like, no one really knows who she is or what she's doing. She's just there. Noises like slamming doors, footsteps, vomiting, music box music, and disembodied voices are rampant throughout. A former scare actor posted on Reddit, quote, There's all sorts of kids' toys that people swear will provoke interactions, i.e. a ball will roll back if you toss it. A good amount of the props in the haunt are old items and equipment from the time it was a hospital, including beds, wheelchairs, and furniture. Personally, I've seen one of those old wheelchairs in the Mayflower building roll across a room by itself. End quote. No. No, thank you. Not a fan. Most of the buildings can no longer be accessed because they are so run down. The majority of the top floors in each building are no longer even there. Like they've just, the floors themselves are gone. Like that's how badly these things are deteriorating. The Quaker building, which is no longer open to investigations because of this, was also considered one of the more haunted buildings. Shadow figures appeared to many investigators, a demonic energy is said to scratch and throw things at people, and a child with long black hair and dangling arms was seen multiple times. So think the ring. That's, yeah. Doors and rocking chairs moved without anyone nearby, and multiple EVPs were caught by many. Electronic voice phenomenon. So they're catching voices over radio static. I think it's the EVP. Yeah. Makes sense. Yeah. The Limerick building has an apparition of a woman in an old nurse's uniform haunting it, according to a firefighter, a police officer, and a Marine. This is also one you can still investigate. I also find it funny that they're like, it definitely happened because a firefighter, a police officer, and a Marine all said so. I'm like, does that mean they're not scared of things? Because I feel like lie. I that feel sounds like, like people with a lot of trauma in their life. Correct, like <laughs> trauma, uh, and go you go into a haunted building and you're like something bad happened in here, like things bad what that have happened in my past. Oh my gosh, I'm like wow, yeah, definitely. So the tunnels tend to be the scariest, though. I forgot about I mean, the tunnels. Yeah, me too. I knew you would. Which makes complete sense that these are scary. I don't think you could pay me to be down there. 
I think the tunnels would have been scary when they were actually in use, let alone after the fact. Guaranteed. Correct. However, many have heard voices when they knew no one was around, felt things brush past them, and shadow figures peeking around the end of the tunnel have been caught on camera. I will not be posting any of those things. Good. I can't... I, I can't even deal with that. That freaks me out. This was one where I was definitely on the verge of like, well, maybe I just stop. <laughs> <laughs> maybe I just, it like, it, if not even for like the, the ghost stuff, but for like the background, I was like, this is, a, this is heavy. I chose something very heavy. So can my I, apologies. Can I interject with a semi-related? Please do. Creepy thing from TikTok. Uh-oh. So apparently, this only just showed up on my For You page because someone was stitching a video. But apparently, it's been a TikTok trend recently for people to try and get down into the catacombs in (gasps) Paris. I saw this. Oh, my God. And this girl stitched it. And she's like, hey, so I was dating a guy once and he told me to never go down without him. And I was like... (laughs) Whatever, I'll do what I want. But no, apparently there are people who live down in the catacombs. And if they see you with your little headlamp and your map, because you need a map so you don't get lost, because they're all twisty, turny, tiny spaces. Purpose. And some of them are, like, collapsed because they're Mm -hmm. old, right? They will come up to you and snatch your map and your flashlight and run away. I mean... And leave you to die. I'd probably do that if I lived down there. If I were a mole person. (laughs) Yeah. I mean, yeah, because you're, like, impeding on their... Turf. Territory. But, yeah, um, not that I think any of our listeners would do that, but don't. No. Don't do it. Please don't. I've been to the catacombs and, like, like the uh, The, museum portion. (laughs) The museum portion. The stuff that is being, like preserved and like you can actually walk through and not fear that you're going to get stuff collapsed on you like everything's reinforced i can't even fathom it's like the people who go cave diving or whatever you know what (laughs) as soon as you started talking about (laughs) shannon's actually oh my god shannon actually got up and left she's never done that before (laughs) so many years ago i made her watch the movie the descent (gasps) Oh my god, wait, I remember the story. And she kept her eyes closed and hid the entire time. I don't think she saw one scene of the movie except for you know the pool of blood that she called the cranberry bog. Yes. For many years. The first years. 15 minutes and but the last like five. As soon as she started talking about the catacombs, that's what came into my mind. And then you said <laughs> caves and I was like, oh my gosh. Shannon has never gotten up and left the pod nook once You're we welcome. started recording. Not even during Dear David. So the fact that you got the mention of caves just really it's freaked you the fuck out. The descent. And it's then, that movie. And then the fact that there's a sequel did you watch oh. the sequel with us? No. <laughs> <laughs> I've seen the sequel. <laughs> but it's the same thing over again. But, like, Ew. they go back for her. But I have anyway. no interest in watching. Like, I have genuine nightmares Gosh. about being stuck Well, that is like, like, that. A, like a jump scare to the max. Like, no, thank you. Think of, like, the the hounds from Hunger Games, but worse. Like, the ones that are in the sewer when they chase them. I'm sure that's a that, that's a great reference. I don't remember watching the Hunger Games movies, but, even though I know I have. Well, there's mutts that they send into the sewers gotta, gotta, to gotta, get gotta, them, gotta. and like that, it's like that, but worse and more humanoid. Ooh, ooh, Ugh. ooh, yeah. ooh! No, thank you. No. Yeah. 
Uh-oh. So I just Googled the dissent because I want to read the Wikipedia page after we're done with this. But the little Google pull section has a section called, in a nutshell, and it says, epic, claustrophobic, and frightening. Mm -hmm. Epic. And so much blood. No, thank you. Epic, dude. So epic. Ew. No, I can't with the cave. I can't go into caves anymore. I can't do the cave thing. Mm -mm. I like how you say anymore. After the descent that you were like, no, thank you. Penn's cave was a great thing when I was a kid. It's like a boat cave. It's up near State College. okay. There's animals there. No, not anymore. Nope. I just, Mm-mm. I don't like that I'm afraid feeling. that thing's going to come out of the water and then it's all going to turn to blood. And I'm, all right. You well, know. you know what? Let's, let's move on. Let's move on. It's um, Shannon's fault. She brought it up. <laughs> I mean, I also brought it up because we were talking about tunnels. <laughs> so overall, the whole campus is crawling with stories and spirits that many across the internet love to tell, including our favorite ghoul boys. If you've not seen BuzzFeed Unsolved, I highly recommend. Are you reading the... Shannon is reading the synopsis for The Descent so that she can... Well, she didn't actually see the yeah, movie. She, she just heard it. Remember so. her memories. I'm going to let you finish. In her defense, we were in high school, so <laughs> it was a long time ago. So there's a movie that is Scandinavian of some variety. She got oh, there. Oh, she got there. That... Is about giant trolls. I think it's called Trolls or something like that. But Definitely in like not the DreamWorks version. No, and it's like it's shot like Blair Witch style. Oh, and it's this group of college kids who are like, we're gonna go out to these fields and like sleep around and like have fun and like smoke and stuff. And instead, they get happened upon by these gigantic trolls that eat them. That's just in my brain bank. I don't remember what the outcome was. I don't remember why I watched it. Eaten um, by trolls. That's not on my bucket list. Yeah, no thanks. So that was just like a weird flash of memory. How are you doing over there? <laughs> I don't know why you're doing this to yourself. Could have lived without the knowledge. No, I need to know. Reading it's probably better than watching <laughs> That's it. That's what I do with every single horror movie. So like I read through what Hereditary was and I was mm. like, yeah, no, I knew I was never going to watch this. Mm-hmm. Same with, um, what is it? mother the one mm. with with jennifer lawrence that like is an allegory for global warming don't look up no no that one's that one's like a steven spielberg oh okay but no, no it, it, it i think so. it's called mother or something like that but it's like she oh, she marries yeah okay, she yeah, marries yeah, yeah, a guy yeah. and everything's hunky-dory and then she has kids mm-hmm. and then all of a sudden like there's so many people in their house and it's overrun and he's sleeping with everybody and she's like, what's happening? Like, you're hurting me. And he like actually starts to torture her. That's kind of it. So it's an mm-hmm. allegory for Mother yeah, yeah, Earth yeah. kind of thing. But wild. I I read that one, too. And I was like, yep, no, I'm good. No, but anything that what's his name ever writes. So like get out. I read through. Oh, she's scrolling back up. Are you confused? Yeah. So I was like, who's Jessica? It's her daughter who died. Mm, that's the whole like start of the movie they're trying to cheer her up let's go to a cave cheer that is not no let's go spelunking at least it's a fun word that is a fun word undiscovered and unexplored cave system i love that you're taking the time right now to read through the entire (laughs) are you trying to avoid the ghosts 
No, it's fine. I just okay. <laughs> I think I'd rather take the ghosts. <laughs> yeah, you. I, I think you'd rather. Well, now the ghosts. I'm like intrigued because I've fair. never seen or listened to the second movie. Yeah, your hyper focus is turned on. Yeah. <laughs> All right. So our favorite ghoul boys back when they were Buzzfeed babies still. Yeah. They went. Ryan and Shane went to Penhurst to investigate the admin building, the Mayflower, and the tunnels. And that's the one they use for the. The admin building, yeah, the admin building is the one they use for the haunted house. You now can investigate the Devon building, the Mayflower building, and the tunnels. Um, You used to be able to do the Quaker building, but as I said before, they don't allow it anymore Mm -hmm. because there's actual concern that you will hurt yourself. Mm -hmm. So they go and investigate these places. And Ryan at one point says, quote, I'm going to lose my mind in here, (laughs) end quote. Okay. Well... He's looking around. Shane asks if any of these places that they explore, any any of the ones that they have in their series, will one day give him a mental breakdown. And Ryan says he hopes not. And Shane says, fingers crossed it does. Because <laughs> apparently Shane is more concerned about entertainment than his best friend. Well, <laughs> Sound familiar? <laughs> what would that be like? There's I don't know. Some intense looks going on over there across the table. Uh Shane also yelled out when they started their investigation, quote, hello, spirits. We're here with good vibes. <laughs> we asked to be able to film you tonight and put you on YouTube. <laughs> End quote. <laughs> as long as it's for the YouTube. I, I just, I love Shane. For the past few nights, Tanner and I have been watching some of the, it's, what is it called? Ghost Files um, on their new channel on YouTube. Because they're just, I, I appreciate their dynamic. I appreciate their respect for a lot of the places that they go to. They do a lot of good research, too. And uh, we watched one a couple nights ago. And the whole time, Tanner's like, yeah, I'm, I'm, I think I'm Shane. I think I'm Shane. I would think I would have the same reaction. Oh, no, wait. That would scare me. <laughs> <laughs> Going through. Is this when he texted me to be like, hey, so just so you know, I was proposing different ways I could scare oh, you yes. while we were while you're recording the podcast. But Emma defended you and said, I would never <laughs> let you do that. So even though she has a weird way of showing it sometimes, she does care. So Tanner, I had told Tanner about what I was doing for this episode and I was like, you know, I've got to, I've got to find some good ghost stories and stuff like that. And I'm trying to, you know, I had to dig through Reddit, which I hate going to Reddit, but I was like, I got to do it. And he was like, well, I mean, we could fill in some time and I could, I could go, I could, you know, stand somewhere and just scare you. I could empty out the poof and be inside of the poof and then just slightly move it and then stop. So let me move it and stop until we got really close. And then I'd jump out. Of it and I'm like, no. <laughs> he had he had big dreams. And that's your husband's origin story as a as a Scoobert do villain. <laughs> Detective Dubious would have a lot of words to say about that one. <laughs> so you're right. I do show it weirdly, but I do love you and I don't want you to be completely scarred. Thanks. I'd make you watch The Descent again. <laughs> Apparently, none of us love if you. If we ever have a Patreon. <laughs> oh my God, that's you what it would be. You pledge at the $500 level. <laughs> I if you, will yeah, record the audio of me rewatching. The, the highest level we will watching it video stream. <laughs> Full clockwork orange. Like yeah, my eyeballs like, are taped open. Exactly. Oh my gosh. God. That would be an adventure. Well, and when we watched it the first time with you is the second time I had seen it 
So the I fact that you were watching it again, are you usually a horror movie person? Um, I mean, in high school, I had a group of friends, I like marching band group of friends that we had sleepovers all the time, and we would just watch horror movies, Prom Night, and The Descent, uh, When a Stranger Calls, which you well, know is whatever. Um, no, I don't. I have no clue. I've never seen one, it. Uh, I think it was called The Strangers. Oh, is that the, um, the is Tamra the home? Um, I, don't, I don't remember. But like we would purposefully torture ourselves with them. I don't um, understand that. In in each other's basements where like one of my friends, her basement was full of like, like, I don't know how to describe it. If I'm you say like, Annabelle dolls, no, I'm going to be no, so no, upset. No, like saws and all kinds of like <gasps> things on the walls. And we're watching, I'm pretty sure it was her house. We watched The Descent at and we're all like... <laughs> Hey, okay, we're alive still. It's okay. Oh God, we did that. I mean, maybe that's the you're root a, of some of my issues. I was gonna say you're <laughs> a brave, know. you're a braver person than me. I at a sleepover, a co-ed sleepover, mind you. Mm. Mm. Um, in middle school, it was like I don't know, sixth grade, something like that, and it was this girl's birthday, and she wanted to watch The Ring. Hmm. with everybody and so she set up like folding chairs for us to watch it on a like gigantic 90s tv hmm. and all of the guys were like yeah yeah no it's fine i've seen it before like it's totally cool all the girls are like whatever me i'm in the corner on the opposite side of the room like i don't think i can do this <laughs> i don't think i can do this and within the first 10 minutes of the movie i went oh i gotta go to the bathroom and i like ran out of the house <laughs> And I'm standing on the front porch and her mom comes out and is like, honey, are you okay? Like, what's wrong? And I was like, can I use your phone to call my mom? And she was like, sure. I was like, I just, I don't, I don't like scary movies. And she was like, what do you mean? (laughs) She thought that she had got at Blockbuster, a like teen movie of some sort. Oops. Wow, you narked. I didn't mean to. I didn't know. Mary Ellen's. Whatever her name was. 12-year-old bad. She was the most popular girl in class. Mm. So uh, I'm pretty sure she, I mean, I don't know if she knew it was me because I was also like one of three people who said, I'm going to the bathroom Mm -hmm. and like had disappeared. Um, But open the coat. Yeah. It's just just, like shivering. It's like playing sardines. Yeah, essentially. hide together. Yep. Um, but yeah, my mom came and picked me up and I don't, I don't know if she got like in trouble for it or if it was like her mom looked at it and then went, let them scare themselves. <laughs> like, you know, I'd rather yeah. they do that than other activities. Yeah. Fair. So, I mean, we, uh, we then in college watched the original prom night Ew. and it's, it's like the hokiest horror movie I've ever seen. But like, you uh, yeah. know, the regular prom night is the stereotypical, like, you know, the screaming girl gets killed first, yada, yada, yada. Like, you're, you're yelling at the screen, <laughs> how stupid can you be? It's yep. like, it's so dumb that you can't, like, it doesn't You can't look you away. You're like, whatever, this is so, so stupid. stupid. <laughs> I love that. Well, Ryan and Shane attempt to explore the tunnels first to incite a response or energy using a device that picks up movement using scattered light points. I don't know what it's actually called. They did say it. I just missed it. But in any case, if something is moving, they it, the light points would then trigger a response on the device that would show you the outline of whatever is moving through it. Um, they didn't pick anything up. 
But Shane breaks the tension with, quote, I'm not trying to be crass, but there's a surprising amount of penis art. End quote. <laughs> the majority of the buildings on site are covered in graffiti, so it makes sense that the tunnels are too. Uh, apparently, they just seem to have much more of a theme than the others do. <laughs> phallic. Very phallic. <laughs> So it was very funny because they're like scanning through like they're trying to do their whole like ghost stuff and they have like the background music is all very like like tense. And then all of a sudden it's just like, I don't mean to be crass, but <laughs> it's just Dick like art. scanning, scanning through all of the penises on the wall. So it's got a theme. After exploring together with EVPs and spirit boxes and trying to get something on camera, the two break off so they can explore individually. Ryan's face is ridiculously scared because they always have, like, the camera that's, like, directly in front of them mm -hmm. catching their their uh, reactions. And he does get some spooky responses on the spirit box on the third floor. Like, genuine what he feels like are intelligent responses, which means that he's asking a question and it responds with something that genuinely answers the question. So he said at one point... My name is Ryan. Can you say my name back to me? And it immediately said Ryan back to him, which is like very uncommon unless there's, you know, you believe that something is there and it, you know, does that. So it's always funny, though, because whenever they because they I'm out. Yeah, that would be me, too. They always do a like last investigation individually and every time shane is wandering around with the spirit box being like oh look at this dark room isn't this weird oh i don't think i like but i'm i'm really i'm not i don't think i'm gonna sit down here there was one point in like one of the other um episodes that we were watching not for penhurst but one of the other ones where he genuinely falls asleep during his investigation because he was like oh it's just so cozy in here and, and nice it was a nice temperature it was kind of cold was, <laughs> ryan meanwhile is like it's it's that uh meme on tiktok that's like because <laughs> ryan is like freaking out while he is going through the third floor he's getting these responses shane got no responses to any of his questions which in my mind then means that like if there is something intelligent in the room any kind of spirit or anything it knows the ones that are going to be receptive mm -hmm. and it knows the ones that are going to believe them whereas if they find a skeptic they're like why even try mm -hmm. so because they're gonna you know there there was a lot of owls uh in the woods nearby that ryan was like oh my god what is that and every time shane was like it's an owl <laughs> like, every time so for the most part, they had a few spooky sounds and words, but that was it. Our friend Zach, however, had a different experience. Ghost Adventures visited Penthurst in the early days of the show and investigated the basement of the Quaker Hall. So this was while it was still open. The boys are wandering. I call them boys because they just, they're silly. The boys are walking, wandering around, Zach catcalling and yelling at ghosts, trying to incite some kind of anger, when he turned to go out of a doorway and a coat rack was thrown at him. <laughs> he deserved that. Yeah, it flew past the cameraman's arm and at Zach. Like, it, it's very, like, the clip that I have in the show notes will show you exactly what this looks like. And it, honestly, guys, I did the exact, I reacted the same way Shannon just did, where I was just like, <laughs> Because it was so, it was so good. Wait, but so it's coming from behind the camera? Yes. Oh, so it's totally It's just totally the guys, cameraman. Like, so they go back to re-examine. I wish I could throw a, a 
They go back to re-examine the footage to find the coat rack leaned up against the opposite wall when they first enter that room. So when, uh, so how could it have traveled that far in such a short time to be thrown like that if it wasn't paranormal? Well, many of the comments section had the answer that it was the cameraman, Nick. Feel free to watch the clip to determine what you think it is. I think Nick threw it, um, but I'm a bit more skeptical of the Ghost Adventures men than I am of the Ghoul Boys. It is very funny because it genuinely is a like vantage point of you're looking at Zach's face with Aaron behind him, one of his other like camera dudes, and Nick is the one holding this camera. And as the like coat rack comes into frame, it's as if he loses balance because the camera like shifts down. And then when it hits Zach, of course, Zach overreacts. It's like, oh my God, like just a complete drama queen. And Aaron is like, oh my God, dude, are you okay? And Nick's like, oh man, did it hit you? Dude, you threw it at him. Of course it hit him. Like, He's like, no, no, dudes, I'm okay, I'm okay. Let's go figure out how that, how, what was that even, like, supposed to be? And then, like, he's like, let me review the footage. I want to review the footage. I want to re-examine what's happening. So they find it, and he's like, of course, the show is, like, you know, trying to be like, so here it is, circles it. It's in the middle of the frame. You can see it. (laughs) But it's like, it was on the whole opposite end of the wall. Oh, my God, you guys, something definitely just threw it at us. That's amazing. What amazing evidence we have. Like, no, Nick most certainly idiocy. threw it at you after you cat called some ghosts and yelled at them to come and scratch your ass. You didn't say scratch your ass. You said scratch you. Um, I would love it if you, you asked a ghost to scratch your ass. <laughs> so I've got an itch and I cannot reach it. Do you mind? <laughs> Tanner at a party when his back itches. <laughs> so sorry. Like, hey, could I? just get you just the middle of my back right in between the shoulder blades could you just scritch it scritch it real quick spot (laughs) sorry that was very funny to me (laughs) so overall the theories remain real or not real so there's not a lot of evidence either direction especially with stories from current employees and past residents kicking around the internet but we might never know that is to say if you're a believer While it's no surprise that a place like Penhurst is one of sorrow and pain, we can only hope that the, quote, evidence that has been found of paranormal activity is nothing more than bad vibes. Because I really, really don't want to think about the idea of people being trapped there for eternity. Mm -hmm. And that is the end of Penhurst State School and Hospital. Thank you for hanging out for the bummer of that. Both of you are that's so funny (laughs) shannon rolls out of frame Uh, well any thoughts any desires for me never to do an uh, asylum situation again i always find them so fascinating like they're like they're terrible yes of course uh. it's a it's a very interesting insight into the people who believe that they are better than everybody else to what they really think of the people they believe they're better than Mm -hmm. and it just exposes them completely for being horrible people Mm -hmm. so that in and of itself in my mind is like well at least we know that you suck and that the majority of people who proclaim those kinds of things 
are not usually great people. No. So that's an interesting insight into the human condition. But I love I love a ghost story, as everyone, everyone who listens to this podcast knows by now. Um, and if you don't, go back. I guarantee you there's so many. There's a couple options. Yeah, there's a, a good, a good, maybe two handfuls of options. I love a good ghost story. Shannon's favorite are the creepy dolls, right? Oh, yeah. She loves a creepy doll. <laughs> loves them. Let's talk about them. Annabelle mm. and Robert, Harold, if, the whole island. If the- stairs could kill Emma would be dead. Oh, I would I would be dead way oh, before yeah. now. <laughs> probably would have been dead by episode 10. <laughs> I would have been dead by whatever episode Island of the Dolls is. Like, she would have... You would have been dead... That was early. ...from your mother. <laughs> That's true. If anyone had been staring at me with death glare, it would have been my mom. Well, thank you for letting me tell the ghost stories that were definitely small in comparison to the actual history of this place. Thank you for being here, Sarah. Absolutely. Very much appreciate it. I am glad that you enjoyed at least some of it. <laughs> that you like that you find I mean, it fascinating. Else, it's fascinating. I mean, I think the thing that hits most with me is the students that I teach would yeah. have been the kids at that place. So, and you're doing like, an amazing job. Oh, thanks. You're welcome. <laughs> Write to your legislators. Pay teachers more. Yes, especially especially and vote teachers for like board members. like like Sarah. Specifically, Sarah. Yeah, Sarah <laughs> should get paid a million dollars. Yeah, she should every that. day. <laughs> but in any case, uh, hug a teacher, preferably one that you know. Just give us caffeine. Uh, that is also a great option. Give, yeah. give, give a teacher caffeine, and mm-hmm. please remember and cool pens. This podcast doesn't exist. And yes, cool pens. I can. I love a good pen. Shannon's out. Shannon's out. She's going to go read the descent to it's time for soup. Wikipedia page. All right. Love you all. Bye. <laughs> Do you want to take your glasses off so you can't read what I <laughs> have written down? No. Okay. Just, just don't look. cheat. Don't she won't. She's She doesn't like cheating. She hates to cheat. You gotta follow the rules. Unless the rules are dumb. Sorry, could you could you say that louder for the class? You gotta follow the rules, unless the rule is dumb. In which case, <laughs> fuck shit up. <laughs> <laughs> what you gotta do? Do what you gotta do. Stop the, the Easter egg at the end. Do what you gotta do. This episode was researched, co-produced, and edited by Emma Kylie. Co-produced and marketed by Shannon McCarthy. Our theme music was composed and performed by Tom Emsley-Smith. The mailbag theme music was composed by Liam Kiley.